this is Roberto. I represent, as always, Steambox. I'm with my Steampunks from Central Falls, my Central Falls Warriors. Central Falls Warriors, please say what's up to the world. What's up? I'm so happy to have all of you here. I, I love this group. I love these faces. We have Friendsgiving. I can't wait to feed you guys this week. Uh, we have had some dope guests already this year, starting with the director of Psycho Gorman, uh, um, Stephen Kostansky. That was a dope podcast. And next week, we have the principal of your school, so maybe you can actually hold him accountable to how you want the school to be. Um, but this week, perfectly timed, this week, in the middle of election week, while elections and ballots are still being counted, we have somebody who ran for election, ran for a Senate seat in Rhode Island, uh, Tiara Mack. Tiara Mack, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, y'all. We are happy to have you. Um, there is so much to talk about. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on before election season even started was because of how much bullshit and hate you were receiving. <laughs> um, and a lot of it stems back to a video of you dancing on the beach. Uh, and I wonder how much other hate that you get, because I know that I have, as a Puerto Rican, I've experienced a lot of hate just entering spaces that I didn't feel like were mine. So not only do we have somebody who is uh, a senator, but a Democrat, which is going to bring a hate, Somebody who is uh, black, which sometimes attracts hate. Somebody who, uh, who defines themselves as queer in their bio, which is going to pull some hate in. Uh, somebody who had the nerve to dance on the beach on their free time, which drew a whole lot of hate. Um, which of these things draws the most hate? Yeah, um, I got actually my first round of hate actually started even before twerking on the beach. It started by introducing an age-appropriate, comprehensive, pleasure-based sex ed bill uh, that the alt-right kind of attached onto and started calling me all kinds of sick and vile names, like a pedophile and a groomer, just for wanting to make sure that everyone had access to information about their own bodies. Uh, so a lot, of, I think a lot of the hate, especially in this polarized country, uh, is around my gender, being a woman, being black and being queer. And I think most importantly, it comes around being unapologetically all of those things. I think people are afraid of like, young empowered people who simply do not see the world in the status quo way that they've come to think is the only way to see the world. Man, why do why do so many people oppose education, learning about things, learning about learning about sex, right? Was this was this proposal for like first graders to learn about like the ins and outs of sex? No, this is for uh, it was a comprehensive bill for sixth grade through twelfth grade, and it specifically said age appropriate content um, in an empowering way. And people fear education because education is power. That's why you now have members of the GOP claiming that college is for. Um, I think I saw a video this weekend from someone who's on Fox News saying college is for ugly people or college makes you ugly. And that we've seen the um, the overturning or the of the cancellation of student loan debt because they know that um, if people have more access to education or they have a perceived pathway to education, they become more empowered and they're able to make better decisions and they're able to call out more instances of bullshit because they have the tools to then uh, fight back. So education is power and those who are currently in power want to make sure that as many people as possible don't have access to it. I have so many follow-up questions to that, but it's not my show, it's their show. So I'm going to kick it off to Valeria in a second. What did you want to add? I want to add, is that why you just only need a high school degree for to be the president? 
Is that why you only need a high school degree degree to be the well, president? The high school, I mean, yeah. Graduate high school. Is that a thing? You exactly. only need a high school degree to be president? Ooh, I don't know any of the rules. Because I know you have to be 33, but I don't know. Yeah, you, have to, yeah you have to be older, and you just have to graduate uh, high school. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, there is a lot of opposition to learning. Uh, there was a lot of talk, and it was it it made a difference in the election. There was a lot of talk about learning critical race theory, and this is just about why uh, why racist structures have caused the world to be how it is, right? Like, it's just talking about facts. It's just talking about history. It's not really talking about what a lot of people do. It's not teaching that white people are bad, right? Like, that's not what CRT is. But there's a lot of opposition to education in general. Uh, I appreciate you speaking on that, especially uh, making education synonymous with power. I think that's a powerful answer in itself. I'm going to get to Valeria. Valeria, go ahead. Um, my first question is, how did you feel or like what was your reaction when people criticized you for the video? Um, I mean, my first reaction was like... Can, nice. can we talk about the video real quick so that our audience at home knows? Uh, I, we have people listening in Sweden. I don't know why. <laughs> but we have people listening in Sweden. So uh, for people listening in Sweden or all over the world, Senator Tiara Mack was criticized for being on the beach, uh, not during work time, during your personal time, yes. and you were dancing. You were twerking. Uh, on the beach, just like She-Hulk, which I wondered if She-Hulk was almost, like, influenced by you in some way, to, <laughs> because they were rallying hate. Like, that was the beauty of the show. Um, yeah, so first of all, did you <laughs> did you influence She-Hulk? You don't have to answer that. But uh, that's there was a video of you twerking on the beach, and there was a huge backlash. Yeah. And... Uh, I know that I know that I reached out to you with support, and I know that other people must have too, mm -hmm. uh, to shut down people like uh, candidate and hopeful uh, Alan Rodney Waters, right? Like this clown out of East Providence who is um, who is making you to, out to be the devil, yeah, because you were dancing on the beach. Uh, so thank you for the question. You're dancing on the beach. What was the second half of the question? And how does it feel to be? A senator. No, 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 I'm sorry. What was the second half of the first question? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, how did she feel like, what was her reaction when people criticized her? Yeah, what was your reaction to the backlash? Yeah, my reaction was, honestly, I was pretty shocked that it got such a, it went viral. It was, this was a, a viral video on TikTok. And I was just like, wow, people care a lot about my body. Um, and so I, I wasn't expecting the video to take off in any way, um, but um, I did create my TikTok originally because this was, I think, five days after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, abortion is one of the, the causes that got me into politics in the first place. And so when... <clears throat> When Roe v. Wade was overturned, I created my like first or second TikTok video that said, I want to go viral so that I can talk about the state of abortion access in Rhode Island. And that was the whole video. And I said, there's going to be thirst traps and there's going to be cursing. And like that was the whole mission to go viral, talking about the issues that I cared the most about in my community. I didn't think it would go like viral, viral and intercon intercontinental. But I did. I did think that um, I did think that most people cared more about actual bodies than they cared about body autonomy and that was the connection that um i was drawing but then it took off from libs of tiktok in a way that i was just like y'all are actually not well like y'all are y'all are caring more about this issue in the light of the overturning of over half of this country's access to bodily autonomy and privacy with their medical health care providers and y'all are more concerned about like one state senator who represents twenty thousand people in the smallest state in our country 
so yeah, I was shocked um, and kind of just like weirded out, but also, um, also, yeah, it, I mean, it was a whirlwind. It still is a whirlwind, and I don't think I fully had the time to process it because I was in full campaign mode until last week. Was there was there any bit of an effort to actually troll people as part of the conversation with the video? The, like when you when you put the, when you when you put the video out when you recorded the video and uploaded it to TikTok, were you like, oh, this is gonna piss off some white people? You know what I mean? Like, did did any of that occur to you? No, I mean. The furthest thing from my mind most days is what are white people going to think? Right. <laughs> and so my, my goal wasn't to like piss off people because by being a unapologetically black queer person who stands for justice and liberation in the form of $25 minimum wage, in the form of housing access for all, in the form of access to all of the resources, whether it is economic justice, criminal justice, education justice, I'm unapologetic in all of the ways that I show up and people are pissed off just by me existing, just by me being a black queer young person in a space that I have been told and have been shown my whole life that I don't belong and that I'm not supposed to be in politics. So people are already pissed off about me existing. I wasn't ex I wasn't expecting any different level of people being pissed off because I in the video I'm still overtly black I'm still overtly a woman and the one thing that you can't see is that I'm queer but like being black and being a woman that was already going to make people upset so it wasn't like let me extra make people upset it was just me being a young carefree black person in that moment you, on the 4th of July you said being black and being a woman was already going to make people upset and this is kind of how I opened right that was a little bit of my open is because I know that, and and what some some of my peers, some of my friends, what some of them don't understand because they haven't walked in our shoes is that we don't we don't walk into the room on equal ground. We don't right. walk into the room uh, with equal status. Some of us walk in at a deficit, and it really depends on the room because at a major deficit sometimes uh, with some of the with some of the identifying characteristics that you've already brought out, which is unfortunate. But I love that you are making it work for you. And the voters came out for you, too, didn't they? Yeah, both times for the primary and the general. What was this, 70-something, 70%? 83% for the general and 56% for the... You uh, won a general primary. election. And, and it wasn't unopposed, right? You, uh, no, I had, a, I had a Republican opponent. So you have a human opponent here in Rhode Island, and yeah. you are the person who's receiving all of this hate, and you still defeated your human opponent by over 80%. Yes. Holy shit, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that was the most important thing about the this event is that I represent 20,000 people <laughs> in Providence District 6, and I know my community, and even before I was twerking, I can say, I can say fuck, I can say what, I, not whatever I want, but I say the things that folks like me haven't been able to say on a platform that many people who look like me and have my experience haven't had before. And for them, that's refreshing. And for them, that is why I was elected, to be, to stand in opposition to the status quo and show that there are different points of view inside of our communities and those voices need to be uplifted. And it doesn't always look like a cis heterosexual white man saying like, we need to be in the middle and we need to be pragmatic. Sometimes we need to be agitators and sometimes we need to be, um, sometimes we need to be um, speaking in solidarity with communities that will never have a platform in the state house. If you have faith that you are doing the right thing are you are you telling me in this room of students who are Muslim and um, and non-binary and uh, brown and black? Are you telling me in this room that being unapologetically yourself has power in itself? 
yes. I mean, I've seen it work for me. <laughs> um, uh, and I can only speak for my own experience, but... Yeah. I think that's a strong message. Go ahead. What's your question? So my question is, as a senator, how much power do you feel like you have? Like, as an individual, how much direct impact do you feel like you have with the role that you have? Yeah, well, one person is not a movement. Um, and so I work in coalition with other people who are in elected office. And I think one of like, it's like a team sport. Um, I play rugby. Um, that's like what I do in my free time. Um, it's, it's a team sport. Like, I will never be able to be the one person passing a piece of legislation. Every single time you see like, oh, this person championed this, this person did that. They're at 30... Eight other people, there are 37 other people in this Rhode Island Senate chamber who have to vote on things. And a majority of us have to agree in order for that bill to pass just our chamber. And then it has to pass the House chamber, and then it has to be signed by the governor. Um, so my role as a state senator is not just to like say, like, I have all the power and I'm the one that all of these ideas come through. It's I am a voice for the communities that I serve by having community meetings, by making sure that folks have access to me text messages, email, social media, DMs, any way that people can contact me, courier pigeon. Um, I make sure that I receive those messages and then translate that into advocating for policy. Um, and that is what I see as my role in, in the positions that I now have like great access to some levels of power. But um, the most powerful people in our state are um, our, our Senate president, our House speaker, and then um, our governor. So I have to work with those people in order to make sure that things happen. Um, but Boom, unfortunately, I do not have a magic wand. Um, I do not have a magic wand. I wish I did, but I think that was one of my biggest misconceptions coming into office. I was like, oh, yeah, now I have all the power. I can do whatever I want. And it's like, well, nope, it's still a team sport. Hmm. Uh, thank you. I actually have two uh, young student politicians in the room, uh, the president of the sophomore class and the president of the freshman class. Uh, Naya, what's your question for president of the sophomore class? Uh, Hail Naya, what's your question for TR Mike? Hi. Um, so I guess my question for you is that I know you said you were shocked about like all the reactions she was getting and how like the TikTok blew up, but I guess I want to know like what was your weakest point? So I know you said you recently just got out, out of election mode. So through all that, what was your weakest point? Like mentally, emotionally? <laughs> um, I mean, it never feels good to have people call you, email, tweet at you, send you DMs, send you emails, uh, send you letters in the mail telling you that you are all of the vile things that like as a young person and as a, eh, I'm still relatively young, that I like grew up. I got so many messages, phone calls saying I was fat, I was a whore, I was disgusting. Um, I had people literally threaten to kill me for dancing and for having joy on a bright sunny day on Block Island. Um, so I think, I think my lowest point is that at some points, I even had people, friends, um, people that I was close with who said, well, what did you think would happen? And like, I was like, well, I didn't think that people would send me death threats for having fun. I didn't think that people would call me sick and vile names for literally just existing, um, in a space. And so I think the first couple of days afterwards, I was like, why are people losing their minds over me existing? Um... And like that, that made me at some points lose some like some hope in like humanity and community. But I don't think I mean, I honestly haven't had enough time to let it fully sink in. But I don't I wouldn't say there were any low points. Community rallied around me and there were tons of people that were like 
you're awesome, you're amazing, and you're this. Um, but it was also paired with, you're the disgusting, you're vile, you're all of these things. I don't think there was a particularly like low point. I'm not going to say that the situation didn't affect me and that people's words and death threats weren't impactful. But we're living in such a polarized time, and I have been black my whole life. I have been a woman my whole life. And I know all of the sick and vile things that people say about black people and about women. Um, so while while there were some instances where I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this, like I have had all of these marginalized identities my whole life. So nothing truly was like out of the norm for me. It just was exacerbated in that moment. This guy, the, the clown that I mentioned earlier, uh, mentioned your opponent and says, uh, it, that was, was that Adriana? Yes. Uh, and says that she's a talented mom who works in education and believes in God, family, and country. And then he says, replace the twerk. Easy peasy. Almost to imply as if you don't believe in uh, God or your country or f even family mm -hmm. uh, or share any of those values. Uh, also posted a picture of you actually twerking, uh, which was interesting. Did you ever feel actually threatened? I mean, I received actual threats. Um, right. I received hundreds of phone calls and emails. Um, some folks asking me to commit self harm. Some folks saying like, "Just tell me where you live, and I'll and we'll like make sure you know your place." Yeah. Um, and then there was tons of harassment. So even if it wasn't physical harm, it was mental and emotional abuse that I endured and like was a part of. I'm I'm sorry. I was. Oh no worries. No no go ahead. Go um, no, I lost my train of thought. Oh, but, uh, go ahead. Okay, so I just, I don't have a question thing, but I just want to, like, shout you out because society nowadays put an end to anything. Like, anything, you could just go outside with your hair not done. Oh, and now you're ugly. Or now you're bald headed, Or now you gotta wear a wig just because you do that. Mm -hmm. So I just want to shout you out for being strong as a woman and being a person of color that kept going and still won. Yeah. I, that's such an important, everybody in this room should know, and the audience at home, and with all of these identifiers that we've already said, a lot of, there's already a deficit. There's already hatred mm -hmm. when I walk in the room because I'm a woman, because I identify as queer, because um, I, I'm a politician, um, or because I hold certain political sta uh, standpoints, right? Like pro-choice. Um, and your answer to that was being unapologetically yourself still got over 80% of the vote. People yep. rallied on you. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's important. I think that's an important message and I'm hoping that we, we can all kind of sense. But that starts with you having your moral compass and you saying this is where I feel like I'm right and where I can make some change. Uh, what's your question? Uh, I don't have one. What's your question? Uh, my question was, what was your home like, like when you were younger or growing up? Okay. Wow. I'm not going to dive into all my traumas right now. But <laughs> so I, I and I say this in every speech I had on the doors um, and like when folks ask me like, OK, well, like, who is Tara Mack? I grew up formerly low income or I grew up low income. I'm currently formerly low income. Um, I grew up in Atlanta. I went to high school in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, and my mom either worked paycheck to paycheck working um working um, odd jobs, uh, customer service jobs. Uh, she eventually um, was unemployed during the 2008, um, 2008 recession and crash. She lost her job. She owned her own business at one point. She also was um, on disability for a, a couple of times. So 
we faced eviction, we sometimes didn't have enough money to uh, pay rent, or we had the electricity cut off, we had water cut off. All of those things were stuff that I grew up with, but one of the things that I was fortunate of, I li grew up right outside of Atlanta, and so I always had really great quality public schools. Uh, my schools had after-school sports teams. Uh, we had, I learned how to play viola, so I'm a classically trained violist. Yo, what um, the hell being, is a viola? It's like a, well, it's like a, when it you look at dirty. it, it's like a, it's like a, like a, it's a bigger violin, but not because it has the same strings as a cello. Okay. So it's like, and it has the, it uses the treble clef instead of the alt, it, yep. well, it use, yeah, it uses the alto clef instead of the treble clef or the bass clef. So it's like this in between of instruments. So bigger than a violin, mm -hmm. but same strings as a cello and then different clef than most other instruments. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I know what she's um, it was different. That's why I chose it. <laughs> so I, I, it really resonated, especially when you mentioned your mom, um, I went, I, you know, I grew up in a situation like that, and I know that other people in this room have too, just from having talked to them uh, privately. Um, I'm sorry that I've mentioned deficit so much in this, in this room because that's not really what any of this is. Like, we're empowered by who we are, and it's not really a deficit. I'm talking about people's perspectives, but in some ways, considering how other people grow up with, like, healthy households, right, which is something that I could never relate to. I could never have that. I could never go back and have a childhood with a healthy two-parent household. Right. Uh, where did where did your where did your support come from? Um, I mean, I had I mean, I, I'm one of five siblings, so I had really great siblings. Uh, I am close to my mom. She was here for the election day um, and she's like in my pictures on my Instagram. Um, everyone says that we look alike. Um, I had really great friends. I had a great extended family as well. So, I mean, I, I, I had great teachers. I'm still close with my, my um, high school orchestra teacher, went to my celebration, like, Zoom party. I have a second grade teacher that I still, like, talk to on Instagram, like, on Facebook. I have a fifth grade teacher that I'm also still, like, pretty close with. Um, so I had really great educators in my life, really great community members, always had sports, had my, like, had my, um, like, sports team and, like, grew up in the church, so I had my church community, all of those things. So it wasn't, like, being low income was, like, a deficit like there was community around that um it sounds yeah. like it sounds like a dope village actually yeah it sounds like yeah i mean i i mean i am who i am because i had really great resources even as a low-income person in the metro atlanta area that afforded me the opportunity to go to brown university um for as an undergrad and so like while there were like instances the system didn't work for my family in certain ways but then some social systems work like quality education after school programs access to to music and foreign language and like advanced placement courses and the international baccalaureate program all of those things um made like life as a low-income person still put me in the same um achievement level as like my white counterparts and peers dope all right, so what was, like, the main reason or, like, like your main driver? You didn't ask her about Heather's? That's why I was That's what I was Let me have, let me at least have one good question. Please have one good question. I'm sorry, can you please repeat? I was too shocked that you didn't ask her about music. Well, how will they, okay. <laughs> what was your main reason or main driver to become a politician besides Roe v. Wayne? So I wait, not Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Road, road <laughs> v. Wayne. I Wade. said, Wade. 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 Like you're swimming. Wait, what did I say? <laughs> Wade. Wade. Like Bruce oh. Wayne. Wade. <laughs> I do have a Batman tattoo. So. Do you really? I do right here. 
covered in flowers. Is that some Naruto? Oh. This is also an Akatsuki tattoo. Oh, oh. oh. You should ask. of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have new questions <laughs> incoming <laughs> after this. Okay, yeah, 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 we'll save them, we'll save them, we'll save them. Um, but I never saw myself as a politician. I never, like, growing up, I mean, I'm not that much older than y'all, but, like, in my, like, Obama was elected for the first time when I was in eighth grade. Um, and so I couldn't vote at the time. I was able to vote for Obama his second term in 2012. Yay, me. Um, for my first election ever. But, like, there were no black politicians. There were, like, there were, like, no, like, 2008 was, like, so different. I volunteered on Obama's campaign with my mom, like, doing phone banking because it was such a big thing. Like, there is someone in this country who has, who's going to be on national television who looks like me. But I, I never said, like, oh, I'm going to be like Obama. I wasn't at Harvard. I had no, like, great grand ambitions to like be in politics i was just i was just like yeah i'm gonna become a doctor or a lawyer because that's like what smart low-income people do in order to get generational wealth um and then even in college i didn't study political science i stayed away from history i stayed away from like most like writing courses i was uh i did i took like german classes like Cogneuro and I was neuroscience and I did public health but nothing in there was like yeah I'm gonna get involved in politics um, and it was really after the 2016 election and watching people make decisions about my life it was my first time I had my first job I was teaching high school math in New Bedford Massachusetts and I was making my own money paying taxes and I was like wait like this world is supposed to work for me. I did all of the things. I went to the Ivy League school. I now have a job that makes more than my mom has ever made. And I, like now the world is telling me that's not enough because now we have this person who's going to take away your rights as an LGBT plus person. We're going to have this person who's going to take away your access to bodily autonomy as a woman. We're going to have this person who is going to feed this idea that black people do not deserve the same rights or people of color or people who are immigrants don't deserve the same rights as other people in your community. And I was like, well, this I've been told all these lies my whole life. I thought that the world that I lived in, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like manifest destiny, like whatever was possible. And then in 2016, the United States showed me, no, we actually don't believe that someone like you can achieve. We actually don't believe that someone like you deserves a place in our communities. And then I had um, the person that I ran against my first time was a 30 year incumbent and didn't believe in all the things, was anti-LGBTQ, was anti-abortion, um, sent Bible quotes on um, official state house stationery. And I was like, well, instead of getting mad, I'm going to get elected. If, if this is the person that people have elected and I'm one of those people, instead of getting mad that he's up there, why don't I just take a spot? Like, why don't I just, knowing that I'm up here seeing these spaces, instead of getting angry that he's there, let me get so angry I get elected instead. That's what I did. That's how I got inside of it. Did you think with over 80%, could you have thought that? Like, over 80% of the vote with a human opponent, right? Like, not even... Yeah. Well, my, um, so my first, my first year, I think was 60-40, 59.5. That's uh, big, too. That, yeah. Like, that's huge. Against a 30-year opponent. And I think that was, folks are eager for change. And, like, that's one thing that's given me hope throughout this whole process of being a politician, never really seeing myself there. I'm the only black woman that will be up there uh, this year. Last time I had another person, of, I had another woman of color who identified as, like, Afro-Latina um, and, like, um, African of African descent from Cape Verde. Um, but there aren't many people who look like me who have been up in those spaces. Um, and the thing that gives me hope is that, the thing that gives me hope is that people want to change enough to see that, like, I was at least some part of change. And they elected me not once but twice. I'm looking for somebody over here to pick me up uh, by picking up on the anime stuff, by picking up on the Naruto. I can't wait to go to you. I'm going to go to you in just a second. So so that's my that's the follow-up to this. I just want you to expand. Uh, when he asked about Roe v. Wade, um, 
And you talked about how in 2016 you were afraid that some of these things were going to start to get taken away. Uh, I knew that it was a horrible situation, but I didn't think, I could not believe that it would be that bad. I couldn't Mm. believe that it would be that bad. And here we are now with the Supreme Court making decisions like that. Why is... Why is uh, women's health, the ability to uh, the ability to have access to women's health care and even abortion, why is that so important to you? So I've seen it impact so many people's lives in so many different ways. I started off in reproductive health teaching sex ed at uh, the Met High School right here in Providence when I was undergrad, or not right here in Providence, but in Rhode Island in Providence. Um, and access to bodily autonomy in the form of deciding how, when, and if you decide to create a family, what that looks like for you, is a direct is a direct um, correlation to your ability to generate wealth as, um, like, later in life. My mom was a teen mom. She had my older brother when she was 17 years old, and that directly impacted the rest of her life in order to be able to build generational wealth and provide the same opportunities for me and my siblings as many of our other peers. Uh, the ability to make healthcare decisions about when, how, and if you are going to raise your children in a community where they're going to have access to clean water, where they won't be subjected to lead poisoning, where they won't have asthma because the air is so dirty, because tens and thousands of uh, tons of pollution go into the area that they live because you're a low-income black and brown community. The, the access to determine whether or not the community that you are forced to live in because you have no other options because of how much money you make is going to be able to educate your young people and and the children that you decide to raise and the family that you decide to have in order to have quality education, in order to have opportunities down the line, is a direct result of are you giving people the tools in order to make that decision for themselves? And these are not decisions that happen in isolation. Many people who um, create, who want to create families now or in the future have to make all the decisions. Is this an environment that they can grow up in? It, are they going to have health complications because of the way that the, the government has treated this community? Are they going to have asthma? They're going to have lead poisoning. Are they going to have quality education? Are they going to have the same opportunities that at least I had in my lifetime? Are they going to be educated in a way that is going to be empowered? empowering to them? Are they going to have access to jobs and opportunities to have a better life than what I had or what future generations had? And that's all reproductive health and reproductive and bodily autonomy. Thank you for not talking to us in this room and the, the, the world at home uh, like we're stupid. Because sometimes people simplify and they're like, oh, you know, this 10-year-old girl gets raped and then what are you going to do? This is much bigger than that. This isn't about like some one like uh, example that does happen, right? Like it, it does. Th- those examples do happen, but it's so much bigger than that, right? Like, um, and it's so, and it's it's beyond abortion. It's about um, it's a it's about healthcare in the first place. Uh, so I appreciate that answer, and I appreciate it going above and beyond the really simple. Like when people simplify it to like, oh, do you want like little girls to have to have those babies? This is like. What about just everybody, right? Yeah. Like everybody should have those kind of options. I appreciate you being a warrior on that front. Uh, bring us there. All right. So when you mentioned <laughs> your tattoos of Batman and Naruto, which personally is one of my favorite of all time, it got me thinking, what is your favorite uh, either show, anime, uh, comic show of all time and why? 
Whew, okay, I watch a lot of TV, and I've been around this world for a really, really long... Well, not a really long time. I've been around, and I started watching Naruto back in, like, 2005. So, like, OG. Like, this was, like, years ago. Um, Naruto's a big one. Bleach, which is just now coming back. They're going to wrap it up. Like, that was middle school me. was like, yo, we reading it, we watching it. Um, and so I'm really excited that it's getting its, um, its like, heyday. I really like Demon Slayer. Um... I'm trying to like run through all the enemies. I really like Seven Deadly Sins, um, Fruits Baskets. I can't like literally my first, the first anime that I fell in love, or the first manga that I fell in love with was Fruits Baskets, and like I love astrology now, but it's just like so cute. They've redone the TV show twice. I've watched both of them, um, and I don't know. I I really like Doom Patrol right now, which is DC TV show and HBO phenomenal like one of the best most healing tv shows love the dc universe as well um watch all the marvel movies just finished watching like black panther which is another like forever what kind of forever um i actually have not watched one piece so thank you yeah. good, good job good job i i it's just i got it was just not naruto and bleach were like really big when i was young when i was like coming up and by the time it like this like popped up there were too many episodes i was like i don't have time for that sorry same <laughs> It is. It's it's daunting to look at eight hundred plus episodes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, to, uh, did you, you want to follow up? Uh, yeah. You, you mentioned Doom Patrol. How do you feel about the new Titans thing that came out? I have not watched it yet. Oh, I know. I'm elected official, so now I don't have time to like read or watch mm. things like I used to. How did you feel about Black Panther? Uh, there was there was a lot. I'm not gonna spoil it for anyone who's watching. But wow, they put Shuri through some mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I did not like the POC, the POC on POC um, violence. I was like, oh my god, we gotta stand in solidarity, y'all. Y'all can't be like one one group against another. Like, let's bring it together. So I hope when they come back for like the, the follow-up to this movie, there's some resolution. Because I was like, my heart is hurting for this community that was colonized and this community that was colonized. And y'all are just like beefing in ways that I'm like, we need some solidarity. I thought everything was perfect except for the plot that specifically like you could you could work that out it didn't have to go down like that. oh yeah it, it could definitely have been worked out uh go ahead how did you feel about uh the suit the, the suit. suit are you talking about shitty suit yeah by the way i cried when iron heart came out with her suit because i read that book like mm -hmm. with such an investment i have so many i have a student i have a specific student who's riri williams yeah and so when i saw her like let's go in her suit i was like oh man that's my girl uh, go ahead. How did you feel about the suit? Shuri's suit. Um, it was cute. I don't know. Like, <laughs> should I know something else about her suit? Yes, it had Killmonger. Like, oh, it, it had like, it had Killmonger. <laughs> oh, am I? Uh, Dude, spoiler! No, 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 no. I, I'm spoiler. just talking about the suit. Actually, wait, wait, wait. I'm just saying that the suit no, had some gold in it. Wait, no, 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 wait, wait. It's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. It is in the trailer. Oh, it's on. spoil it more. Trailer be spoiling though. It's in the trailer, and the suit has yeah, gold in it, like Killmongers. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I did not investigate the costuming. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go back and, like, do a comparison between it and see what other elements, like, trickle through. But, yeah. Okay, interesting. I'm going to go back. Okay. When we're ready to spoil it, I can't wait to talk about Namor and oh, uh, Namor. The, the, the Latinos' oppressors. Mm -hmm. and you can't say his name in America. Explored. Go ahead. Uh, so in this might not be a Spider-Man 3 question. I swear to God. <laughs> My question was literally leading off to Wakanda forever. <laughs> and could you like compare like the real world issues in and can you compare the issues in uh, the world in movie Wakanda forever to like what's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of parallels and like where do I start? A lot of it is steamed as it stems around like scarcity of resources. Wakanda was an ice was 
isolationist in the first movie and they only revealed themselves to the world um, out of necessity but there was this idea like if others see what resources we have they will come for them and deplete them or use them for weapons of war the same notions happening right now like you can compare it to like what's happening in russia or ukraine what's happening at between the U.S. and other forces abroad where we siphon resources and then we create poverty in other countries so that we have, because we have this like more, more, more mentality. We also, in the most recent movie, you have Wakanda and then you have Teotihuacan. Uh, Underwater city. Yeah, you have, you have this other city of other people who are going to be um, conquested for their resources or for this this idea that there is a scarcity of something. And that scarcity breeds fear and it breeds competition and it causes people to do things that don't logically make sense. You see it in politics all the time. Because we currently have a housing crisis right here in Rhode Island, people are like, well, the developers, they need the money, all these ARPA funds. We've got billions of dollars of ARPA funds coming into our state and we've got folks fighting over, well, I want it for this project, I want it for this project, as if there's not enough to go around to solve the homelessness crisis. Um, and then you have the infighting between what people perceive to be the left and the ultra left or like the moderate left um, on how do we get something done and lots of folks um, I think because there's this like scarcity mindset or this like if we let other people in they will ruin something or they'll bring outsiders or they will like corrupt our vision or like we will not be safe and so there's a lot of different connections and we could probably talk, I could probably have a whole other podcast on that um, but I think there's a lot of um, I mean black writers and black stories are they stem from a scare this, this scarcity mindset and what that causes other people in our communities to do to us or what we end up doing in retaliation not thinking that we are we are meant to be a collective or not meant to be isolationist we're meant to work together about what things break down whether it's communication literal whole like societies or like a whole group of like uh, oppressed people fighting other oppressed people because we've been we've been taught or shown that there's a scarcity of resources or that there is something that must be protected when our biggest goal is to work together and fight against you know the bad people in the movie, which wasn't, Wakanda wasn't the bad people and the underground people weren't the bad people. It was the, the guys not, like, They're not, uh, what are those, they're not Morlocks. They're like, uh, they're the underwater, they're the underwater people, not the underground. Yeah. There are underground people too. They're, they're the, um, what are they, the moles? They're not mole people, right? No. We're calling them, yeah, underground, I'm sorry. I just Quantum realm? Yeah, I'm, I'm too close to them to, uh, to hear them being called underground people, uh, not more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I made an objection. I'm sorry. My objection was out of order. My Please continue. Continue. Oh, no worries. I, yeah, I'm like, what is there? I'm like, I just watched the movie and it was, but yes, I need to find out all the names. I need to like make sure I'm pronouncing everything right as well because it's also just like such a beautiful story and language like tied to indigeneity and like the struggles there, especially because we're in like the new world, which is only new for like us who have been colonized and like, immigrate forcefully immigrated here um and then other folks who have been colonized but there's just so many different stories like indigenous sovereignty is one is one of the threads that we even have to discuss right here in Rhode Island how do we honor and respect the Narragansett people who were here first who are fighting for land sovereignty how do we also fight for reparations for black and brown Rhode Islanders right now when the city of Providence just passed or, or is expected to pass a 10 million dollar reparations plan but what does that look like at the state level how do we honor and respect all identities who have been oppressed in this way because there is no scarcity of respect or of resources and giving black and brown people a resource does not mean we disrespect white people or we think that like 
this whole thing of like white lives don't matter or like whatever but like this idea that we have to have some respect for these communities and we have to res we have to acknowledge um indigenous sovereignty and we also have to recognize that there is a debt to be owed to direct descendants Man, of African I want slavery mexican students my uh caribbean uh latino students like uh, puerto ricans and dominicans uh, I want my Guatemalan students to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. The ones who have family and friends who refer to themselves as Spanish because so much of our identity has been erased and tossed over and we don't even understand it. We're labeling it by the language that we speak to watch that movie and to see our ancestors and to see what the Spanish actually did. And it's time. Maybe it's time for a revolution. I thought... Uh, Namor was pointed the wrong way, but I'm not going to go further yeah. spoilery on that. Did you have something to add? Yeah, so um, I'm hoping nobody takes it as a spoiler. But for piggybacking off of what he said about how as soon as they were like revealed, Wakanda was revealed, um, basically France tried to invade a part of what they had in the mm -hmm. you know in the States and try to take their resources. <laughs> now, with that being said, like is that ever happened because like she outlined outright said oh no i didn't do it like i basically didn't do any of that and you should share it and instead after she said that they came in with the people that was trying to take from them and said hey you just try to take from us and do it again and do, it's gonna be war yeah do you know why france ever, was i'm sorry go ahead. Oh, has that ever like happened in real life like where they just oh. like a politician just outright lied about it tell them why lie. tell them why france was a perfect uh a perfect pick from that director right like why do we why is Creole the way Creole is? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting because, like, France was there. And then if you recall, I mean, now I'm going to the whole, like, spoiler. So if you're if you're listening to this, spoiler, 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 like, skip ahead. Um, Black Panther spoiler alert. Yeah, best movie in the world right now. Like, everyone should be watching. Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Um, but um, there's a character that's in Haiti at the time, which is colonized by... Don't say which character. That's big. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah, say yeah. the character. Okay. There's a character that is in Haiti, or Haiti, as they say, and that is colonized by the French as well, which is why they speak French versus... And so there are just so many different connections where you're just like, oh my God, they're drawing so many just like cultural moments and like historical moments, and they're weaving in together the African diaspora at the same time. And they're bringing in like the the um, Latin American uh, diaspora and like indigeneity as well. There's so many different elements. So much of North Africa was mm -hmm. colonized by the French as well. Yeah. I, I, mm. I can confirm yeah. Now this is a major spoiler, so a couple years we never. Mother of God! I just put my hands down. Don't, don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! You can follow with me via, via don't email or text. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna move on. You'll have your question. No spoiler question when we get to you, guys. Uh, is there any politicians that you dislike? Do it! Do it! Do it! Yes. Um, yes. I know. War! 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 Um, so up, up I, I will say <laughs> that, I mean, I am not friends with many people in the office. Um, and like, it's not about being someone's friends. Like you can work with people that you do, that you're not friends with. I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm 20 years younger than most people up there. Um, these are not my friends. Um, are there people that I do not respect? Yes. Are there people that I think are like unintelligent? A hundred percent. Most of them are. Um, but like not liking, I don't know them well enough to like, and this is like getting into semantics. Like, are there people that I like enjoy spending time with? No. Are there people that like, I think are like decent human beings? Yeah. And are there people that like, I think like are not suited to be in that position, but the only reason why they got there is because they're mediocre white men who had access to positions that most people of color don't have access to. Yeah. Um, but like liking them or not, like, I mean, I don't know them well enough to like them. 
But like like a Ted Cruz, for example. Oh, I don't know him personally, but like, yeah, that dude's an asshole. Yep. Um, and like, I, I try to keep all of my politics local, and I think that's where a lot of the power is. Like, we just live in such a gigantic country right now, and there there's so many ways to be polarized, but I believe that all of our politics have to be local at the city level, at the state level. I want to know the issues of my community so intimately that it doesn't matter what happened. Like, there, there are going to be things that happen at the federal level that are going to impact what happens in the states. But, like, you have to have your communities organized and you have to have resources in your communities in order. So, like, whatever happens in Texas should not impact what's happening right here in my district of 20,000 people or the state of Rhode Island, which is 1.1 million people. Yeah, because, um, what's it called? I have my civics class with a teacher, and we talked about how mostly it's a lot of white old men with, like, old money who mm -hmm. are, like, higher or have, like, a higher chance of winning because they have money and have certain, like, people to talk to who could get them more votes. Yeah. Does it benefit themselves? Like, being in the Senate and them having an opportunity to legislate, can they legislate in a way that benefits them and their tax brackets? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean... The whole reason people get elected is because there's power. And whether that power comes in the form of money for your communities or money for your businesses or tax breaks for your businesses or knowing that you can access this one program that has millions of dollars so that you can buy a home or that you can siphon it to your schools. That's that's why they don't want people of color in these positions because there is a $16 billion budget that the state of Rhode Island passes every year that has social programs but for the wealthy and well-connected. We What we want as people of color who are going into office is to have social programs that benefit low-income people who don't have the same resources. We're giving handouts. We're just giving them to the wrong people. We're giving them to well-connected people who know who to ask for in the budget. And so, like, that, like, yeah, I don't know what the question was. I kind of lost track. But, like, there, <laughs> like, that is why people get into office because there is something in it for them. And, like, the idea of getting more low-income black and brown people into office is that my goal of being in office is not for me, it's for the communities that I represent. And for some people who go up there because they are white, middle class, upper income, have history of like protection and privilege, the world is already set up for them to be benefited from. So instead of benefiting others, they're like, well, how can I make this work for me? Because the world already works for them. They're just trying to make it work more for them. Whereas people of color are like, we live in a world that doesn't work for us. I'm going to get into the system and try to make the world work for me. Is that starting to happen? There are more people from marginalized backgrounds who are getting into office, which is like super exciting. And there's more people being able to share those spaces. Uh, and it's slow, but sh it's like slowly but surely happening. Um, but that's like the that's I think that's with more people who are in the Gen Z generation voting and getting elected to office and more black and brown people running who've never run before. We're seeing a change in how our like systems actually work, which is really great. Freshman class president can. Um, I have, do you have any advice for people my age who want to go into politics? Um, I mean, start now. There, there's just so much. Like, I knew none of this stuff. Um, I guess kind of, like, got thrown into it. Like, I, I mean, I had no idea how, like, the state house worked until I was there. And so I was, like, I was, like, 21 years old. And I'm, like, okay, well, like, how does a bill get passed? What does the Senate do versus what does the House do? Like, we vote for judges. Like, there's so many different things that I just, like, had no idea. How was a law made? Like, who, like, I just thought we all wrote them ourselves. Like, no one up there is, like, skilled at writing policy. You look all the stuff up and you have a team of people who do it. I would say get started now and figure out, like, what makes the most sense. And there's so many different ways to get involved. Um, being elected is one way. Um, 
and like for anyone who wants to run i say like go for it evaluate like is that the best way that you want to like make change but you can also become an organizer you can also become a community leader you can also be um a non-profit organization you can also be a business owner or you can be a a c4 that gets other candidates money in order for them to run there's so many different ways and getting exposed to what skills do i have that are going to be the best for however i want to be involved in politics and i think everyone should be involved in politics I'm going to go a little faster. I don't ever, ever want to be involved in politics. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever. I'm too sensitive, and I will fight people. Uh, like, the, all this shit that you got exactly. after the twerking video, if all somebody has to do is post a video of me talking shit to some kid, some 12-year-old on Xbox, uh, <laughs> and I will go uh, I will go him. I will go, as Kanye West says, DEFCON 3. You're my feelings. Wow. I'm going to go a little faster. Is there any change that you want to make as... Uh, as a student president? Um, as of now, a lot of changes, not just... Give me one example. I can't say bathrooms because I can't really <laughs> change the fact on that because I'm only freshman, but um, probably, like, how are the freshman class treats others or, like, um, the school even, and how they, like, maybe some think that they rule the school not that they're in there because they ruled it last year, and, like, I want to change that if I can. I don't you, know if I can. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Social change. There you go. Chloe. Um, I wanted to know what your favorite childhood memory was. Oh, that's a good one. Ooh. Um, I mean, I've always been... This is the, this is just like a funny story. Like I was always like the the weird grandchild who was like thinking way too much about every single thing. My grandfather would do this. I was probably like... Th I was like probably like four years old maybe three years old my grandfather was really into magic and they my family's told me this story so many times and he pulled a penny out from behind my ear and he was like look i found this like a penny or a quarter or like whatever the magic trick was and he pulled it out from behind my ear and i was like you didn't get that from my ear because there's no earwax and so like i've always been the person who's just like that's like my favorite like actually i'm gonna find out the reason and i'm gonna always question everything um, so even like as like a three-year-old with magic tricks, I was just like, no, I actually want to learn more. Like you did not pull that from behind my ear. Uh, tell me what really happened. I've always been a skeptic <laughs> and I've always just been like looking for like the facts. So that's like my favorite like memory that like my, my family will tell me. Huh. Interesting memory. This is grandpa you said? Yep. All right. Grandpa. Grandpa from Atlanta. Shout out to grandpa from Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, so he, he passed away, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but his name was Jerome. Uh, rest in peace, Jerome. Shout out uh, in the afterlife, Jerome. Uh, maybe he had something to do with your 82%. He actually got a vote in. There's somebody somewhere is going to believe that Democrats are cheating votes with uh, the ghost of the grandpa. Oh, God. Now, yeah. that, now that we've said this. Uh, go ahead. Well, my question is, well, what is your favorite sport to watch? Uh, rugby. So I'm a rugby player, and so I still play rugby. Um, there is a Women's World Cup happening right now in New Zealand, I believe, or maybe Australia, um, down under. Um, but yeah, I, I love watching rugby. It's a fast-paced game. It's like quicker than soccer. It's aggressive. Like it's full contact. It's like football without the pads. The ball can never go forward. You can kick it. You can throw it. And like you lift people up. You full-on tackle. It's like the most exciting yeah. sport in the world. And so I'm, I'm fortunate I still get to play. And that's also how I stay sane, hitting I, people. I played the wrong sport. <laughs> One, two, go ahead. Uh, favorite team? My favorite rugby team? Yeah. Um, uh, the All Blacks. 
The All Black. That's the name of the team. Yeah. The well, All Blacks. The oh, All Blacks are the Black Ferns. <laughs> now, now they're gonna pull a Redskins and get rid of it because like they do with the Redskins. Oh, no, they're they're the All Blacks because like they're they're uh, they're uh, they're a Maori team in. Um, New can Zealand. I can, let me ask you a question? How come when she says All Black, <laughs> you point at Keith? Why did that happen? All right, moving on. <laughs> Um, I've had a few injuries. I've never broken a bone. I've never torn a <laughs> ligament or tendon. Um, so no, that's the I, that's why I love the sport. Like if you work out, make your body strong, um, and you know what you're doing, and you have confidence going into it, you don't get hurt. Question. All right. So going back to Naruto. Oh. <laughs> we got to bring that up. What's your favorite Akatsuki member, and why? Ooh. There's only one, one answer. Yeah, one There's answer. multiple answers. Um, besides yeah, Itachi. Besides mean? Itachi. Yeah. What you mean? I think that was a really great storyline, but I also really I like Kane. Like, that sounds kinky Pain? for people who do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but Pain out of everyone else. Yeah. But Why? that's not fair. Why? I mean, I, I really like the entire storyline. There, like, There's no good answer, but I think like... With with the Katsuki, it was just such a. I mean, you said I couldn't say Atachi, but I I thought that the storyline of Atachi and this is like these are like old. These are these episodes are old, so this is not a spoiler. I hope for anyone, but like the the idea that he was always looking out for his brother and that he was a double agent that the entire time Atachi was playing the long game was just like so intricate and just like so like affirming that he, no matter what he was doing, he was looking out for uh, Sasuke, who like you know wasn't looking out for himself at most points, but. Do you, do you mess with Studio Ghibli? I do. What's your favorite Studio Ghibli movie? Ooh, Princess Mononoke. But I also like Spirited Away. But I also like House Moving Castle. Yes. There, there's, no, there's no wrong answer. I know. I'm like, ah, Spirited Away is great. But I also love House Moving Castle. Um, but I also love Princess Mononoke. Um, there, there's different reasons to like each one of them. Yeah. Prince Monoke, I think, was just like, it was just like, oh, we, we are messing up this land. How are we going to, like, get this back? Um do you remember the little soot, the little soot creatures in, yes. in uh, House My Neighbor Moving? Totoro? Or? My, no, no, not My Neighbor Totoro, not Spirited. Uh, yeah, Spirited Away. Yeah. The little soot, the little soot creatures. Uh, Ghibli just teamed up with Star Wars, and on Disney right now, there's like a three-minute short of Grogu just playing with these little soot dust monsters, which is really Oh, cool. fun. Uh, Steambox has been twice to Tokyo, and this group is going uh, for the third time to learn animation at Studio Ghibli. Uh, nice. And do a podcast there, which has been uh, one of our favorite things. Keith, go ahead. Okay, so I'm gonna add on. I'm gonna ask. Add on, and then ask your question. Fine. For the add on, um, in Spirited Away, because it had some very terrifying scenes. What was one that scared the crap out of you most? Like for me, it was when they were eating, and then they all turned to pigs, and then that part scared mm. the crap out of me. Oh. So, I love scary movies. Like I'm a scary movie horror movie like connoisseur. So, like, nothing really scared me, but I think some of the visuals that were interesting is her running away from, um, from the spirit monster, like, from the spirit, like, as she's, like, running, going to the train, and just, like, following her, um, when she's, like... We talking No Face? Yes, No Face. Like, she's, like, she's in the, it's, she's in the bathhouse, it's, like, trying to eat her, and it's, like, slowly throwing up everything as she's, like, running away, but it's still, like slowly following her from a distance and then joins her on the train and just, like, sits next to her. I'm like, this is, like, weird. Like, I'm like, so, like, what are you doing, sir? Like, you just, like, threw up your, your entire contents of your body and now you're just, like, slowly following her, but then you just sit calmly next to her and she's like, okay, be my friend now. And I'm like, 
what just happened? And for my actual question, um, Kanye West, oh. the oh. downfall of this man. What are your thoughts of how he's just been going insane for the past couple of uh, couple? Oh. Of, you know, yes. white white lives matter. Uh, yeah. Defcon three on what Google Jews? I think on it was. Jewish people. Yep. Slavery yeah. was a choice. Whatever. Slavery was yeah. a choice. Yeah, and I I think one it is really unfortunate that he is clearly going through a mental health crisis. That is no excuse for his behavior at all. But like this is someone who is like been like his family and support systems have been like vocal about his like struggles with mental health in the past and he is also operating and like having this mental health crisis in a time where the alt-right will prey on someone who is a prominent figure especially in the black community in order to like um galvanize supporters or people who support him for their own sick twisted narrative and so it's unfortunate that he's currently being used as a pawn while he's also clearly suffering a mental health crisis. It is working. I, I, it, there are people within my social media who are like, yeah, Kanye's right. And like, they said the same thing about Kyrie, too. And I'm like, no, he did wrong, y'all. He is so... Kyrie is, Kyrie is unequivocally wrong, period. Right? There is some stuff. We're talking... About, so when it comes to Kyrie, Kyrie posted a, a, a link to a video. Uh, Hebrews to Negroes. Uh, and in this video, there's a lot of stuff in the video, and there's a lot of stuff that we've heard about before where it talks about the erasure of black culture and linkage to uh, linkage to uh, Jew- Jewish people. Uh, and there's a lot of questions and theories there. And I think that stuff is fair to ask questions in a douchebag Sean Hannity way. I think asking questions, I'm not mad at you for asking questions, but since I have met people who have survived the Holocaust, right? This horrible genocide of people. Uh, the video also flat out denies that the Holocaust exists. Now, if you are sharing that video, you're an asshole, period, period, right? So people, like, I know people love Kyrie plays, and I know we could disagree on politics, but we can't disagree on facts that happened, particularly when they were devastating to so many people. Uh, so I just want to agree with you and I want to use my platform for a moment because I've been really quiet about it watching assholes who I know personally like like support Kyrie. I get it. It's a weird, cruel, and unusual suspension that they made on Kyrie Irving. But also, uh, if you're sharing a video that says the Holocaust didn't exist, something that I know to be true, uh, you're just an asshole. Yeah, and this wasn't Kyrie's first rodeo. He's been dead wrong before. He turned down $100 million because he didn't want to get vaccinated. Like... Sir, the science is out there, and, like, for vaccine deniers or people who do not believe in years and years of public health efficacy of vaccines, like, at some point, education is a tool, and it can be a tool used to benefit people, or it can be used a tool to control people and to create a narrative, which the GOP and the alt-right have masterfully done with prominent black figures in our community whether it's candace owens or herschel walker or kanye west or kyrie they've latched on to these black prominent figures in our young populations and our sports cultures and our music cultures and they've weaponized them against our communities to prevent us from voting to prevent us from unlocking um intelligent conversations about real issues and questioning why do 
alt-right GOP members want to keep us silent and show us only depictions of black people when they are in crisis or when they are a caricature of like black thought or black thought leaders. It's it's unfortunate that they have been tokenized and used as weapons for our communities when folks like, I mean, I grew up in the Kanye rap era where he was the biggest name in music. And he was dope. And he was. And Through unfortunately, the wire was dope. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's because of, and now this is going to be controversial, but do you think... After he started like dating Kim, it just went downhill from there. I, I, I will not say that his marriage is what triggered his mental health crisis. There are so many complex ways in which black people, particularly black men, experience the United States that is a detriment to their mental health. And I am not a doctor. I do not know his entire life story. I know that he also lost his mom before he was married. Um, so like, there are many complex reasons why his mental health, um, genetic and social, cultural. Did um, he just blame it on women? No. Oh, wow. 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 Yes. wow. I want to hear that. That's why I pointed out wow. you specifically. I'm just. I blamed it. Cancel key. Wow. I, I, I said that because apparently there's like some people that always thought that when Kanye started dating Kim, that's when he started becoming, oh, now I don't want to be black no more. I want to be white. And that's when he started becoming white. Yeah. And that's what I think that's a convenient excuse for people who don't want to hold. Kanye West accountable for his actions. At the end Damn. of the day, Kanye is responsible for his actions, whether or not he suffers from a mental illness or from a um, from a disease or has a disability or not. He needs to be held accountable, and no one else is accountable for his actions besides him. If you want to see somebody becoming white, check out Sammy Sosa. Uh, he was a baseball player, mm-hmm. and uh, just Google that. He looks that. scary now. He does. He's pink. He looks like a newborn he is hamster. Not well. He's not uh, well. What's your question for Tiara? Um... I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I had a full... When you said Black Thought, I thought we were going to start talking about the roots. I thought we were going to start talking about rap. I got all excited. We went from Kanye to Black Thought, and I was like, yeah, now we're moving up. I got it. Okay, go ahead. Got it. Let me phrase it now. You see how Um, I buy time? Yeah. Um, How'd you figure out you were queer, and and if there were some difficulties, how did you, um, like... This is an important question for a lot of our listeners. I know, I, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm appreciating um, you right now. I'm, yes, and I'm how throwing love at you right them now. And how to like come to terms with being queer. Yeah, go. I mean, I think it's, I, oof, okay, y'all asking the questions. <laughs> so I, I realized I was queer when I was younger. I, I knew in like the sixth grade I had a crush on um, other members of my class who were of the same sex. Um, but I grew up like most people in like the early 2000s, like not seeing much queer representation, like though the L word was on TV, which y'all probably know nothing about. Like I wasn't watching that was on Showtime. Um, there were no queer characters, movies, TV shows really available on like Disney or Nickelodeon, which is like all I was watching. So I didn't know other queer people. I also grew up in the conservative Christian South where like, again, there were no like queer instances of representation. It wasn't until I was in college where I met like queer people for the first time, like queer people, trans people, uh, pansexual, bisexual, like the whole gamut, people who were genderqueer, genderfluid, all of that. And so I wasn't really in a position to even explore these ideas just because I never saw examples of it. Um, Like, did I think I was different or not? Like, in some way, every like low income black and brown person like probably thinks or feels they are different because I never look like any of my peers. But I mostly attributed that to like 
race and class and not necessarily sexuality. And then it wasn't until I was in college and like even in my like early 20s and like now where I've been able to like explore like what like what are all the things that society taught me growing up about like what it means to be a woman um, and what it means to like want to be in like a, a like a heterosexual relationship that I've now had to like unpack as an older person. Um, and it's it's still a discovery like when I first came out, I came out as bi and I was like, well, I think I still like men. And it was like, well, I was like, but why do I still think that? And like, is that true? And it's like, well, no, it actually isn't. It's only because I've watched Disney movies my whole life where like at the end you like, you marry a guy, you have kids and that's like, that's life. And then meeting more and more like queer elders and queer people who like, you don't have to always like, well, one, you don't have to get married to a man if you're a woman. And if you're a woman, if you're a man, you don't have to get married to a woman. Um, but like I've seen so many different types of relationships and different types of families and different conceptions of what that looks like now um, that it's like opened my mind and I'm still learning like what is going to make the most sense for me and there's so many different examples and there's no like one right answer um, and that's why I like the like the umbrella term of queer like I don't need a specific label like some people are confident like oh I am I'm a lesbian I'm gay or like I'm pansexual or I'm bisexual and it's like well I like the umbrella term of queer like some days like if I want to be like gender fluid or if I want to be non-binary, um, like those are not things that I currently am exploring, but it gives me the opportunity to say like right now who Tiara Mac is, I've like been able to absorb enough about the world to know that like this is who I currently am and that can change. Or like my if I'm introduced to more ideas or as the world becomes less structured in ways, I'll be able to like explore more of that. Um, hope that was helpful. The first person uh, to talk about their identity um and, and use the word queer on the Steambox podcast was, and still is one of our mentors. I don't think we've interviewed her with this group, but uh, Vita Ayala, who wrote, uh, wrote some Miles Morales, wrote X-Men, wrote Wonder Woman uh, at Marvel and DC Comics, uh, a really great writer. Um, and since then, I've just seen such a recurring theme about how representation is important. Mm. And do you ever sit back and actually digest the fact that uh, you're representing so many different people with so many different hats. And do you ever think about the responsibilities that come with that in a Spider-Man kind of way? Oh, God, yeah. And it's so weird. So, like, I, I love, like, I mean, I'm a huge nerd, anime. We, like, we just talked about that. Talked about Marvel Comics, DC Comics. But I also really love fantasy novels. And I think that's, like, one of the things I love to explore now is, like, Though I have to, like, though I have to read, like, uh, nonfiction for, like, making policy, I still love reading fantasy novels and sci-fi novels because they create worlds that you don't get to normally see and you get to, like, see representation in so many different ways. Like, N.K. Jemisin's uh, Broken Earth trilogy was just, like, so fantastic. It's showing, like, black and queer people in, like, so many different ways. Um, I've read other fantasy novels that also, like, depict... Um, like black and brown people like Octavia Butler um, in like in really cool and interesting like Afrofuturist ways like how we can be um, and I lost my train of thought while talking about <laughs> fantasy novels you're on what's the name um, of the street it's named after one of your, your teacher's sister the, the woman Viola, Viola, Viola Davis, Davis. Yeah. oh yes Viola Davis yeah. um, so there's just so many different ways that um, that I think representation impacts people like I love seeing representation of people with identities close to mine through books, 
um, I grew up reading and I love reading. And like for me now, like I, I was able to like in my big age of like my late 20s, being able to say, I only want to read books made by black authors, made by black queer authors, because growing up, I never got to choose books that represented that had characters that looked like me. I always read fantasy novels about like white characters or like white um, protagonists. And now I get to choose like there's an abundance of black uh, authors or like stories about black characters that I now get to like read and there's abundance of queer characters and I'm like I get to read books just about queer people um and so I hope that people like are like oh I hate politics but at least there's like a black queer um young person in office but some I don't really think about that like I'm glad that just me being again unapologetically and not having to think about like if I do this people are going to like be disappointed in me like I'm glad that I get to show an example of someone who just gets to show up and be themselves and people can say well I want to just show up and be myself whatever way that is I I know how many listeners we get and I know that I know that there's somebody out there who is uh probably uh, afraid to talk about any one particular part of their identity and I know that you've represented so many of them in this podcast and I know that somebody's going to be listening to what you said very carefully and feel empowered that this person just took 80% of a vote unapologetically by being who they are. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Go ahead. Um, what were um, some of the like requirements to becoming a, um, like a senator? There are no requirements, honestly. Like, I mean, this is going to sound shocking to y'all, but most people up there, and like, I'm sorry if you guys listen to your my coworkers and my colleagues in the state house, but some people are just not smart. They're dumb. They're Damn. very dumb. They are not well-read. They are not, like, well-educated. Like, I went to Brown. I'm a graduate from an Ivy League institution. There's another senator who's also an undergraduate graduate from uh, the same institution, Brown University, also getting his Ph.D. from there right now. There is another person who I believe went to Yale Law School. We're, like, the only three in our chamber who are Ivy League educated. Most folks, like, I don't know they're, like, educational background they don't read books they don't read books they don't seek out knowledge i'm not even sure if they watch documentaries Hold on, let me let me joking right girl no 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 i'm i am not i am not joking let me there are many adults who do not read books i want to throw the challenge flag i want to call bullshit uh because you know i think when we talk about uh being well read i think that makes sense right and the street marks uh street smarts makes sense but there's a lot of politicians who are who have gone to ivy league schools like you who are dumb as shit who are just like oh yeah idiots idiots right mm-hmm. uh and there are people who've been who've been uh doctors right and and brain surgeons uh somewhat recently who got into politics who are idiots but also people who went from football like i look at like a Herschel walker right but there's also people who kind of came out of nowhere uh didn't go to these fancy schools and are, are super, super smart, also well-read, even though they didn't go to these schools. Sometimes I feel like I have to protect because I know your path took you to Brown. My path took me to Emerson uh, and there's some good schools, but I also know I've got tons of youth who have other plans that are not mm-hmm. these schools who are super smart too. But I agree with you. Uh, intelligence, I would just say not limited to those schools. Yeah, and I would say like th- that is the, the like not to not to be an elitist and to say that the only way to be smart is to be an Ivy League graduate. It's to say, like, my entire life, I was told the only way to be considered smart or to have some status in the world is to be a doctor, a lawyer, go to an Ivy League school, or, like, be a CEO or a president of something, or become a politician. And, like, that is status. And, like, most people assume when you see a 
white man in a suit in a state house with the, with the title senator in front of it that people just assume that he's going to be some graduate of an elite school, is going to be making a lot of money, is probably a lawyer, and is probably the smartest person in the room. And that's just not the case. There are very few requirements. You have to get 100 signatures. You have to win an election. And that is it. Can, um, I, can I ask you a And be eligible to vote. Uh, because it seems to me like a big part of it that people don't think about is money, which is a resource that I hate. I hate money mm -hmm. in a really weird way. Damn. But to run for office, can you run without money? Can you run without a war chest? It's very hard. And so most people, like in my first race, I spent over $60,000, raised over $60,000, spent over $60,000 on my first race. And on this most recent race, I spent between twenty dollars and $30,000. That was, so it takes a lot of money to run, and that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. There are other really cool places, like New York has publicly funded elections. There are some other places that have publicly funded elections where they just give everybody uh, a certain amount of money in order to, like, run a campaign and so it doesn't have to be the case but it's another tool again it's another tool of power money in some cases is power and in order to keep people especially low-income people black and brown people out of positions of power they add a barrier like money in order to prevent people from running for office so th there's there's a lot of there's a lot of like layers into like is money important in our current system yes but not every election is determined by how much money you raise um, but it is it can be one important factor in certain instances. But I believe in a world, and I know that world is possible, where money does not determine who wins a race. Mm. So not a requirement, but uh, an important factor. I have a question. Uh, I want to take a shot at someone, but uh, McKee. Yeah, take a shot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> take that shot. How do you feel about him? Douche. You know, giving money to his friends from the education. Because he's I mean, still under investigation. Yeah, I mean, it was... It, 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 allegedly. I hate that word, allegedly. But it... it I hope the FBI finds something. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they find something. Um, and for the folks who don't know, our governor who um, was in was not elected, he was promoted to a position of governor after being lieutenant governor, and our governor left to join the Biden administration as the Commerce Secretary. He was elevated, and then in his first couple of months, he took money from the state to give to an organization that was just started to have a multi-million dollar contract to solve some educational problem. Don't really remember what it was. They fixed it. Yeah. But he gave them millions of dollars, and this group of people are people that he had direct ties to. The, the, the contract has since been canceled, but it still stands that at one point our governor used his power as an elected official with access to millions of billions of dollars to the federal government to give to people who are not qualified for a contract. Forgive me, audience at home, if you've heard this before, but uh, I worked on the equity committee, and, and part of our... Uh, job. It, this was around the pandemic, but part of our job was to make sure that we had an equitable response, to make sure that this community was being served just as well as Barrington and some of the other communities. And I got so much resistance while I was on that committee uh, to be able to do stuff in downtown Providence and bring uh, a lot of the uh, vaccines specifically at the time to certain communities. And, and it was him. The resistance was coming from him. Yet, when we accomplished it and brought out all of those people for vaccines in downtown Providence, 
McKee was sure there taking pictures, like standing in front of us. So here's Roberto with the people that Roberto got to come. And McKee's like, uh, that's some bullshit. The dude's a douchebag. And it's not just that. There's just so many other things. Uh, Broken Clock is right twice a day. There's a little bit of his work that I've enjoyed. But uh, that's a really good question. That was a surprisingly deep question. Uh, not That's not an indictment on you. It's just where the conversation, we were talking about Avatar and then you were talking about specific... Yeah. Uh, did you want to follow up on that? Yeah, because uh, for me, uh, I, we watched his video for, for to vote for him or whatever, whatever it was. With his and, mom? Yeah, and I'm like, wow, what he wants is, sounds good, but I didn't know him besides him running. So I thought he was good, but then we like went through everything in my civics class. I'm like, wow, he's a fucked up person. So I'm like, he wasted all that money to give to his friends, even though it's really for education. And yeah, we like, you find wow. out who he hired to be as part of his team, all oh, his who? all his friends. Really? Yeah, I mean, when you when you become the governor, you get to appoint people to be part of your like cabinet and to like have positions. And these are people who are making like a hundred and thirty, a hundred and sixty, hundred eighty thousand dollars a year that he just gets to choose. And a lot of them just are people that he chose because they have connections to him, not because they're smart or qualified, but because he knows them and maybe owes them a favor. Fast follow up. Um, I was gonna say, so you you talking about how like, you know, you need like money. Does that mean you could just legit just pay your way into becoming a politician, no matter like what? Like, she, what status? she explained that that's not how it is, but go ahead. So there are there um so like in our most recent governor's race, uh, Ashley Kalis, who ran um as a Republican for go the governor position, she spent four point seven million dollars of her own money running for the seat. Um, so if you you can fund your own elections and some people do do that um but you can also raise that money there are limits on how much you can raise and how you can raise but um you can either raise money or you can spend your own money and there are people who decide not to raise any money at all often those are unsuccessful candidates or they're running on like popularity that they have or they're running for smaller seats that are often determined by like one to two hundred votes but in Rhode Island, money is an important part of winning an election. In other parts of the country, and you can do some research, I know New York has publicly funded elections. I believe there's some cities in um, California that have publicly funded elections where the, the Board of Elections will give every single candidate um, the opportunity to get a certain amount of money. Like Let's say like they give every candidate who wants to run for office and who's registered $25,000 to run their campaign so that every candidate is set up with an equal amount of like resources so it's not about money but you can either opt in or opt out or so it really just depends but the way that Rhode Island works here money is an important part of running a race why um because you need money in order to send mailers to pay for volunteers to knock doors every mailer that I sent to my constituents about 5,000 people who are eligible to vote it's about a dollar per person so if I send five mailers that's $25,000 and mailers are important because I've got 20,000 people to contact in like six to eight months to let them know about my campaign. I also have to follow up. I knock on their doors. I pay a team of people to help me knock on their doors. I send them information about my campaign. I got to keep a website alive. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into running a race that's not just like you have a message. You got to get your message out there. You got to talk to people. You got to call people. You got to spend money on mail, on text messages, phone calls, volunteers, food for volunteers, food for events. Um, so there's there's a lot of different ways that money plays a role in making sure that you can get your message to the most amount of people. Uh, last question, and then you're off the hot seat unless somebody else has a burning one. Go ahead. My question was, if you couldn't do any moment in your life, what would it be? Undo? If you could undo? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I am not a person with many regrets. I'm a Sagittarius. I, I, I wouldn't undo anything because it's all led me to right here in this moment. You're going to twerk again. Oh, I just still twerk. I'll twerk again all day. You're a serial twerker. I, you know, I mean, twerking just such a, like, like it's so crazy that it became such a, it became such a, like, thing. Like, people have been twerking for generations. There's, like, twerking in so many different elements of dance. Megan the Stallion's always twerking. Lizzo's always twerking. You got, everyone's He's twerking. I'm like, why are people so affected by this? You got international twerk competitions. You got twerk instructors. There's twerk dance, twerk dance classes that you can take. Who's number one on your playlist? Um, right now, Beyonce. Um, wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, right now, Beyonce. Um, listening to Renaissance on repeat always. Um, but I usually, I don't, I don't really, I like dance music. I like dance hall. I like a little bit of bachata. I like just going out and like listening to whatever like the DJ puts on. Okay. Go ahead. Have you ever heard this wonderful musical called Heather's the Musical? Don't. Oh, wow. I have not. Don't do it. Don't you should watch it. So, it's really good. Like Heather's the Musical based off the movie with Winona Ryder? Yes. <laughs> Interesting. About a, mm, uh, I, don't, I don't know how that would play off as a musical, but like, Okay. Oh, jeez. Trust me. <laughs> you it had works. to do it, huh? It works. Okay. We, were, we were almost done. I was about to wrap up the podcast. Uh, go ahead. Uh, see, this is... Stop. Go. Quick, quick, quick. Okay, this is a quick one. Uh, is there any quotes that you actually keep from anywhere that you've heard that just stayed with you? Um, I mean, you just said one of my favorite quotes. With great that power? I say, no, oh. that I, I say all the time when people are just... when You know, when someone bad gets something right... I always, a broken clock is right twice a day. It is. Like, you can agree with people who are fundamentally different than you because sometimes a broken clock is right. Um, not all the time, but twice a day. Um, other quotes. We're talking about analog clocks, but that's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really a quote gal. The quotes don't really do it for me. Go ahead. Shoot. Um, two random questions. Um, what's your favorite book, and how many tattoos do you have, and do they have any meaning behind them? That's three. Um, that's I have 12 tattoos. Uh, my favorite book is The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Patrick, please come out with book number three. I'm waiting for it, please. Um, and the other one, you said... Your ta- do any of your tattoos have any meaning behind them? Um, yes, yes, yes. My tattoo on my thigh is based off of a poem that I made myself. It's a woman growing um, with nature. So kind of about growth. My question was that one. Oh, okay. Marvel, Marvel or DC, and why is the answer Marvel in spite of your Batman tattoo? Damn. Ooh, okay, so Marvel. Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. I, so, yes, Marvel always, just because they have a bigger budget right now for stories. But I do love the dark elements of the DC. I do love a dark oh. DC uh, comic and like Doom Patrol again is like one of my favorite TV shows right now and it's been so healing watching it. You should feel flattered that nobody's letting you off the hot seat. Go. Okay, one last thing. Um, when Shuri ate the synthetic heart chipper. Yo. Yo. Next question. Go. Why that's not a your birth- spoiler. When's your birthday? No, it's not. Is that oh. is your birthday? Yeah. She said she's a Sagittarius. Is that exactly. Not good enough? Why would I know what that? that? Exactly. Are you, are you Sagittarius yeah. and you're trying to relate? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's the end of January. I don't really believe that anyway, but I'm just curious what her birthday was. I am a winter solstice baby. So I am December 21st. Oh, yeah. I knew it. Why is She's such a serious. Why is that important? That's my birthday. Oh my god, birthday. Yeah. Wait, what's the name? Oh, as soon as I said. Well, birthday twins. Oh my god. This is not compelling for our audience at home. There's going to be somebody at home whose birthday is also December 21st. Oh my god. Uh, my t- question was the tattoo one. Oh, was the tattoo one. Okay. Uh, do you have any shout outs that you want to give? Um, 
Again, Patrick Rothfuss, please drop that book. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Rihanna, come up with that album. I'm ready after hearing your single in uh, Black Panther. Ready for a whole like album. Just the Rihanna single. Uh, I got you. Shout out. <laughs> Rihanna's new single. Uh, I don't know. Um, Roxanne Gay, retweet me again. Um, Can people go and learn more about you? And your campaign and your future plans. Yes, at Mac District Six um, on all social media. So M A C K District and then the number six. Uh, by the time you listen to this, Twitter might be dead. I don't know. Elon Musk is doing some crazy, crazy stuff over there. Uh, but like, shout out to the people. Oh uh, yeah, shout out to the people who like ruined uh, Lily, um, Lily, Eli, Lily and Co's uh, stocks. That was really dope. I love that. Um, shout out to the anti-capitalists out there, um, and shout out to the people oh, who want me. to liberate our people. Um, housing advocates, that's you, criminal justice reformers, shout out to you. Um, and my future plans, I don't really know, because who knows if we'll have a country in another two years. But uh, my future plans are keep on working for justice and liberation and spreading joy and twerking every chance I get. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you hear her say we might not have a country in two years? Are we talking about global warming or are we talking about the return of the Trump? Conspiracy. Or is DeSantis worse than Trump? I'm moving to the UK. Yo, there are so many options. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There are so many options for, like, why there won't be a country. But also, we we are slowly watching the rise of, like, election deniers (laughs) taking roles in state legislators, like the Secretary of State, who are going to prevent more and more people from voting, where we're going to have an even larger likelihood that in 2024, more fascists and election deniers are going to be elected. So, like, and yes, Ron DeSatan is like uh, going to be one of the worst options that we have because he literally just runs on hate. Um, but there, the, yeah, the the globe is warming. People are being priced out of homes. Hopefully, there's an uprising of people who are the working class who are like seeing all the ways that they we are being um, disserved by the leaders in our community. There's a housing crisis globally. Um, th- there's a lot of reasons why. Things will not be okay in the next couple of years. Plus the astrology, if you listen to the astrology podcast, they're like, ooh, yeah, something's going on. Globally, we have a housing crisis locally too, which you are very aware of. And I think next time you come on the podcast, we should address that a little bit more. We'll all uh, study up on it a little bit more so we can have a dope conversation about it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for making us the number two podcast for three weeks in a row. Uh, we will return to that number one spot, I'm sure. Uh, but this has been the twerking senator, <laughs> Senator Tiara Mack, uh, and also my steampunks, my warriors from Central Falls. Tiara Mack, warriors, please say peace out to the world. Peace, peace out! out!